Father, in this moment across this room, as we watch online, we need you. You are our great God. We recognize that. And there are frustrations and hurts and pains and struggles, God, that you completely understand about us. But God, we need to know what to do. And we need to know that we can seek you. We need to be changed by the power of your Holy Spirit through the, the realization as your very alive word speaks to our hearts this morning. Through the testimonies, through the preached word, may you be honored. Open our hearts. Help us to open our hearts. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Our children that are in the room may head back to the back right now. I've got a feeling that you have been watching the, <clears throat> the Christian news across uh, the United States and across the world like I have been, been again this week. And I don't know about you, and I, you know, I'm not caught up with what you call it, but whether it's revival or whether it is awakening, whether it is an, an, uh, an outpouring of the Holy Spirit, whether it's all three of those put together, I'm going to say yes, yes, and yes, Lord, on those things. Because when we seek Him, what we learn is that we find Him if we search for Him with all of our hearts. That's a promise. If we have that kind of heart, that's the kind of change that He desires to make in our lives. And so in that, I mean, and this is, this is right here at the Grove. I'm getting reports from some of our groups here at the church where there's like, Confession of sin going on. I mean, that's crazy. Who does that? I'll tell you who does it. It's a people who is crazy about wanting to know God more, about knowing Him deeper, about seeking Him in a new way. It's happening in parts of the world that we could never imagine. You'll hear a little bit of that from Vincent in a few minutes. But it's happening in crazy places that you wouldn't expect. Like Southern California, New York City, Wilmer, Kentucky, Birmingham, Alabama. It's craziness because it's even gone across the seas. It's going on in places like Israel right now. Are you reading this? Are you seeing what's going on? Now here's my question for you, and this is for all of us in this room. I think we would say, I want that. I want to know God more intimately. I, I, want to, I want to live for Him. I want to know what that's actually like. I really am at a point where I don't care what it costs me. Is that where we are? Because if that's where we are, that's what can happen, and that's where He won't fail. You're saying it, you believe it, you're saying it like you believe it. But the question is that we really want. Are we willing to do what it takes to get there? Because it's a, it's a big jump for a lot of us. It's so opposed to this culture that we live in. So last week, Drew mentioned one of the most amazing stories in the Bible to me at the close of last week's service. Isaiah had a one-of-a-kind experience with Holy God. He saw heaven. 
He saw God Almighty, and yet he lived through it. This is Isaiah. Just the actual quote of the verse, uh, Isaiah chapter 6, verse 5, he says, Then I said, that's Isaiah said, It's all over. I'm doomed, for I am a sinful man. I have filthy lips, and I live among people with filthy lips. Yet I have seen the king, the Lord of heaven's armies, and then one of the seraphim flew to me with a burning coal he had taken from, an from the altar with a pair of tongs. I love the description of this. It's too hot to touch. So he comes in with a pair of tongs at the altar of God. That's the fire of God that is there. And then he touched my lips with it. And he said, see, this coal has touched your lips. Now your guilt is removed. And your sins are forgiven. So he wanted God. He repented before God for him and for his people. God touched him. And then look what happens. <laughs> Verse 8. And then I heard the Lord asking. So after all, after the repentance, guess what happened? He could hear. He could hear spiritually. And here's what he said. The Lord was asking, whom should I send as a messenger to, the, to this people? Who will go for us? And I said, here am I, send me. Man, what a great turnaround. That is personal revival. That is, that is something that, that he experienced and it stuck. It affected his life. And if we are 100% honest, we want that sense of guilt to be removed. We want to be forgiven of our sins. But are we willing to, <clears throat> are we willing to, to seek the Lord and to respond to him that way. And that's a question I can barely answer for myself. It's one that you've got to deal with for yourself. God gives us so many pictures of revival in the Bible. And it's usually, it's usually what I see over and over and over again. It's personal revival like happened with Isaiah right there. If you go back and you look all the way back to the very beginning, just a couple of the names that jump out that had a serious kind of a personal revival with God. Moses. Oh my goodness. Do you remember that whole burning bush thing and the awakening that happened at that moment? How about Abraham? I think he had a little bit of revival once he found out he was going to have a kid in his old age. God can still do this. He won't fail. He promised and he came through. How about Isaiah? We just read about him. How about Jeremiah, the weeping prophet that was just wanted the people to come to the Lord. You remember Job? Do you remember the end of Job? It says, my God won't fail. He's got this, even at the very end of it. Uh, David. I don't know if any of you have messed up as bad as David, but I'm sure we've come really close if we hadn't just smoked right past him. But yet, then he says, restore to me the joy of my salvation. You know what that is? It's personal revival. It's where you and I have to get to in this. I don't know how many of you have read all the uh, minor prophets. But it's weird because I've got a favorite. And I don't know that it's everybody else's favorite, but I love this minor prophet. And I ran across it this week and I couldn't leave it alone. 
One, he's got a great name, Habakkuk. Sounds like a Star Wars character or something, but man, this is a lot more than a Star Wars character here with Habakkuk. He is one of those minor prophets. Three very short chapters. I mean, a 10-minute read, and you are through with the story of Habakkuk. It's a back-and-forth conversation between this prophet that's only talked about here. It's a back-and-forth conversation. Habakkuk calls out, cries out. God responds. Habakkuk calls out, cries out. God responds. And again and again and again for three chapters. So in just a couple of minutes, I want to share with you what happens in this. Just, and this is just kind of a highlight of a couple of things that happen in these three chapters. Uh, Habakkuk chapter 1, I'm reading from the Christian Standard Bible this morning. It was a little more clear on this, and I want to be crystal clear on what the prophet is saying here. So the very first verse just talks about who it is. Habakkuk, he's speaking on behalf of the Lord, the Lord speaking through him. In verse 2, here is his question that he asked God, okay? This is where we need to get with the Lord. God, I need to be able to ask you this kind of question. How long, Lord, must I call for help and you do not listen or cry out to you about violence and you do not save? Why do you force me to look at injustice? Why do, you, uh, why do you tolerate wrongdoing? Oppression and violence are right in front of me. Strife is ongoing and conflict escalates. This is why the law is ineffective and justice never emerges. For the wicked restrict the righteous, therefore justice comes out perverted. Huh. Biblically, in these few chapters right here, I see three things that lead to revival in this place, in Habakkuk. I want to start here with the first one, and the first one's a hunger for God. It's the place that gets it started. It's the place that we all have to get to. It's hunger for God to be back in that, that personal place, that personal space with God, that place that we can go back to. All of us have that spot if we know Christ, when we can remember when Man, things were just so good with us and the Lord. It doesn't matter if even stuff was bad. It was so good because we were so rich in him and we knew that. We knew his love. We knew his passion. We knew his love. So revival is sparked by a desire to know him and, and then to see him work. And I think that's what I'm seeing all across our nation. To want to know him and then to see him work. And I don't care how mature you are in your faith, because some of them have this air of pride about us that we've got this thing going on. I don't. There will always be that moment when you have to wonder why God allows certain things to happen. And I call it the moment of frustration. And that's exactly what's happening in the life of, of this prophet, even as God speaks through him. He's like, Why? Why? Why can't we stop this, God? Why can't you, why can't you take care of this? And, and a lot of people refer to this as a, as a place in our spiritual lives, as a place of, of, of holy discontent. Holy discontent leads us to a place where we want God more than anything else. It leads us to a place where we'll actually repent of anything just to get back to the right spot again. Because we just don't care anymore. We just want to get it right. The feelings that Habakkuk had could they can be translated into our world today. 
I mean, has anybody seen any injustice in the United States of America lately? I mean, we're fighting for the right for kids to be killed after birth. What's wrong with us? And we cry out, God, why? Why? We're trying to save kids in Uganda, but yet, you see what I'm saying? What is wrong with us? I don't understand. Here's another one. Um, God created marriage. Yet, the respect for marriage act has nothing to do with respect for the marriage that the Creator created. For right being called wrong and wrong being called right like we talked about last week. For the freedom for God's people to speak out. That's being taken away in colleges all over the United States of America. Now in public schools, high schools and middle schools, even elementary schools. What's up with this? I don't get it. Maybe for another injustice that we've seen for over 365 days now as the war continues in Eastern Europe. And thousands upon thousands upon thousands are dying. Why, God, why do you allow this to happen? For a, for a crazy virus that has affected us for two and a half years, almost three years now. Actually, it will be three years in just a couple of weeks. You know, there are more things that happen in this life that some of those we never hear about. I'm going to ask Vincent to come up in just a minute. We're going to watch this video right here. I want you to see what's happened in Uganda right now. And then uh, we're going to walk through a couple of questions and let him share his heart with you. Okay? Check this out. Righteousness being restored. 
the devil has revenged in a different way. The devil has come in a different version, whereby the bad people, Muslims, they have come and burned our entire body doctrine. We have lost the entire building with fire. Somebody has burnt our uh, boys don't trail, the roof is gone, uh, the mattress is gone, the bank bed is gone, everything is gone. Matter of fact, our children remain completely naked. Uh, they are living now on the floor. Some they live outside in the campus. We are just now confused. We need your help. Please come in and help with us. We need your help. We need your help in such a time as this. I want to say that bless you. Pray for us and also support us financially as we are going to build it back again and get new bank beds and get mattresses and do everything by God's grace and feeding these children. I want to say that bless you so much. Many pastor peace and victorious here in Uganda. God bless you. My presses were burnt. Our things like clothes, uniforms, sportswear, books, cases were all destroyed and burnt. We are kindly requesting you to some support. May God bless you so much. May God bless you. So, Spencer, uh, <clears throat> I'm going to ask you a couple of questions just to clarify what we're seeing there, okay? Um, with uh, 
at the very beginning of the video, there's a lot of folks there that are gathered around at like an outdoor uh, revival event. What's the hunger like there in Uganda for, for the Lord? In Africa, there are some people who have never heard even the gospel. However, you have heard, you know, great revival is happening, but there are some areas that they have never heard the gospel. So the hunger is too great, and people are thirsty just to hear Jesus. They come and stand hours, not sitting on the chair, not under the air condition, but just standing and listening until the gospel is finished and you give the altar call or the invitation. And every invitation, you cannot miss over 500 people come up with their hands up to surrender their life to Jesus. That's got to be so exciting. Very excited and touching. So does that happen several times a year? Is that once a year? Uh, every time. Every, whenever we go to any location. It is not once a time, once a year. Any location you go, people are hungry and they are ready to respond to the gospel. That's beautiful. I love it, man. I love what y'all are doing. So y'all have just relocated and you're in an inner city in yeah. Uganda? Yes, I'm in, I'm in a city center, not far from American Embassy. That is where my church is, in a slum area. But uh, also we go out in the cities, in the villages, where they have never heard the gospel. So that is our heartbeat. So it's, it's, it's extreme poverty. Yes, extremely, very, very poverty. Okay, and then so the... Um, the, 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 the building, the home that we were there, who is that for? The orphanage. Uh, we have two campus for children whom their parents died of AIDS. So this is the campus for kids from age 3 to 14. We run over 300 children in that place. So after crusades we just had a few months ago, we are celebrating and rejoicing in the Lord. I just had a call. There is what we call Youth Young Muslim Movement. So they came in around 5.30 and entered with, the, uh, with a, a gallon of gas and throw it through the window and fire and burn the entire building. So these are like Muslim extremists that, exactly. that hate what y'all are doing for the Lord. Actually, they have burnt ours. In the same week, they burnt another Catholic blind orphanage for kids who are blind and they killed over 60 children. So I remember when you were here 10, 12 years ago, one of the things y'all were doing was working towards building that big building. Yes. Right there. And so literally you as the grove had a part of yes. building that, the money that helped build that, and now you saw it, it it's on the ground. Even the, the metal you told me yes. is not usable anymore like for the beds and such. The metal you cannot use for the beds mattresses is more petroleum uh, the metal up also it cannot work so it's like we are going to do a roofing back and also work out on the beddings some of you you have never seen someone sleeping on the floor some of you sleep on the floor when you have a back pain <laughs> but they are not about back pain when they don't have it so we are in the level where every child had a mattress, I uh, had a 
a bunk bed. Uh, he had a mosquito net here. Since I came, I've never had any noise of mosquito. But in Africa, you can't sleep without covering your, another net. So you enter the bed and you cover yourself. So we lost over also 200 net, uh, mosquito net, mattresses, blankets, uh, bed sheets, uh, books, everything. So kids every day by six, every day by five, we have what you call morning glory. Before they go for study, we start by prayer, singing and pray. And then after they go to classes, to start academic. Not like a warehouse where kids are staying and live there. From eight, they enter the classes and they begin to study like any other child here could enjoy education. I love what you guys are doing. It is beautiful. It is a beautiful ministry of the hand of the Lord, and I appreciate your friendship yes. so much. Uh, we're going to put stuff out on our uh, on our website and yes. uh, through our email and stuff, and let people know how they can be a part, how they can pray. We've got all that from you already. Yes. And uh, man, I love you, brother. I appreciate you so much. Amen. Thanks for sharing. This is a frustration. I mean, Amen. finally, really got somewhere, but yet. The enemy is fighting hard against. Amen. So, anything you need to tell us, man? What I can say that the Lord is good. You are on the right place at the right time. In spite of the trauma and the tragedy, the Lord remains Lord. Always I've never lose hope. I've seen him. I was born in a Muslim family. That is where the Lord get me from. And he saved me. So I know how their heart is. And I know how they were. My father was an imam and I was also in Islamic Institute. That's why they don't like what we do because we know more what they're doing. And I want to tell you, there is power in the blood of Jesus. And Jesus still says, uh, there's a tremendous revival moving across the country, not only in Africa, but also even here in the United States. And I was reading some reports. I find out that the greatest revival right now, it is breaking up, it is from Israel. Israeli people, they're experiencing a great revival. And that is a country that was forgotten, though Jesus was born there and he, he rose in Africa and he go back in his home country. But people forgotten that there is a, a, a son of God who died and crucified for them. But in a few years, there is a tremendous revival that has break up in Israel. And as God does in Israel, I believe also he will do it here because he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. I love to speak most in Africa where people are hungry. And there, I will not be speaking so uh, so softly. I'll be shouting on the top of my voice. Sometimes we speak to 10,000 people or 15,000 every crusade. We have another one coming in June that we are targeting a nationwide crusade. It's going to be very, very big. So when I'm there, <clears throat> because when I remember where God gets me from, that's why I shout. And I wonder when I come in the country like this, which has everything, and people are no longer hungry 
Remember, revival came from US to England, US, England to Africa. We didn't know about Jesus. Matter of fact, some country, some area, they think Jesus is a, a white man from New York or from London. Uh, until you go to them and you tell them Jesus is not a white man. He's not from New York or London. Jesus, he is the son of the living God. And then you begin to explain to them who Jesus is. And sometimes when you see me pray with those children jumping on the, on the dust, not because I love to uh, dance in the dust, I just want to show them that one day they can be like me. I just want to be inspiration to them that there is nothing permanent. Everything can pass away. Any situation can pass away. And as the pastor has been preaching from the beginning, he talked about revival. He went down and speak a lot of stuff. But I want to tell you, if you open up your heart, what God does in Israel and the other part of states and Africa, he can do it right here. So as you have seen in our orphanage, that's part of my heart because I was adopted after giving my life to Jesus. And that's why I deal with the children. I want to say God bless you. Amen. Thank you, brother. Thank you, brother. Make sure you get to meet this child before you leave. Okay, thank you, brother. All right, so let's, let's pick up right from there for just a second because that's happened. They're so real. They're painful. They, they, they strike us. We don't know what to do. Uh, but a, a doubt is different than unbelief. Uh, unbelief uh, says that I, I can't trust you, God, but a doubt says I don't know, but I still trust you, God. And that's where we need to be in this kind of place. So that's exactly what happened in Habakkuk's conversation. If you go on down just a couple more verses in chapter 1 and verse 12, he says, Are you not from eternity, Lord my God? Wait, can we ask God that kind of question? Can we? Are you not from eternity? Almost in a, in, in a, in a, in a way that's rhetorical. Uh, and then he says, My God, you will not die. Can you get more real than Habakkuk did right there? He's not doubting God if God is present or if God can handle the situation. It's him saying, but I know you are eternal and I know you are in control. I just don't understand what's going on. And I'm just telling you, God can handle those kind of questions from us. It comes from that intimacy with us, with him. And that's what he desires. He says, <laughs> he says you are my holy one. Now, if you just stop right there and think about that for a second, when you say, you are my holy one, that's covenant language. That means because I've got something special with you, God, so I can talk to you. You are my holy one. He knows God's grace. And the second part, it says, you will not die. Now, some of you have different translations. You may have ESV or New American Standard or the NIV. And if you've got that, yours doesn't say, uh, you will not die. It says, we will not die. Now that's confusing, right? Why does one say you and one says we? Why is it different? Well, many theologians believe that the original text was, and know that the original text was actually you. And it's clear. But, out of reverence for God, they couldn't bring themselves to write down what Habakkuk had written. Now I don't know. That's just a lot of theologians believe that's why it got moved from you to we. 
But let's go just a little bit deeper in this. You've got to look at the greater context of Scripture, which is what this whole series has been about. It's what we have to look at. We know that God is eternal, and, and he, we know that He will not die. We know that. That is clear throughout the entire Word. And this is strange that we work so well here, because if Habakkuk says we will not die, by faith, they will certainly not die. Just like us, by faith, we will certainly not die. This physical body will go, but the Spirit will live on with holy God. By the power of Jesus. So it's an absolute confession of faith in the God that he knows. So has God been unfair to his people? I mean, that's what he's crying out. I mean, this event happened about 600 B.C.-ish. Other enemies have come after the Israelites in war allowed by God. God has sent all kinds of disasters upon his people. He sent prophet after prophet warning his people. But what did his people do? They were stubborn just like us and they refused to change. No matter what was put before them, they claimed to know the Lord, but they kept breaking the law they claimed to believe. Hmm. Sounds so familiar. What has to happen? How does Habakkuk wake God's people up? Well, the last verse we're going to look at, Habakkuk chapter 3 and verse 2. Lord, I have heard the report about you. Lord, I stand in all of your deeds. Revive your work in these years. Make it known in these years. In your wrath, remember mercy. I don't know if you see what I see there, but repentance of sin and our... It, it, is the thing that has to happen in our lives next. It's repentance of sin and, our, and repentance of our failure to see God at work. We have to stop. We have to look. We have to see Him working. Repentance is the common thread to revival. It's really what started going on in, uh, at Asbury. It's really what began at Sanford. It's really what happened at Lee College. It's what's happened in New York City with worship services going on in Times Square. It doesn't even make sense. It's San Diego, California. It doesn't make sense. It happens when we go seeking after God. If you read the book of Psalms, especially Psalm 119, over and over again, it's by your word you revive us. It's because of your word I am revived. And the people had to respond to what the Lord was teaching through Habakkuk. Habakkuk said, I stand in awe. And the Lord said, I've still got this. But this is because y'all refuse to turn back to me. But why, God? Because I've still got this. Ask God to do his work. Ask God to do his work now. Ask him to revive us. God, do your thing. Lord, I know it's your work. Do it now. Plead with the Lord. I know what we deserve. But please show your mercy. That's what he says there in verse 2 of chapter 3. Which is, and that's number three, awakening is the result of a touch from God. It's a result of, of God's Holy Spirit moving. Now, I know we're, we're a couple minutes behind right now, but just a couple things I have to share with you. And this revival and awakening will show up in our hearts when our hearts begin to change. Change so much that we can't go on living the way that we were. The place where we get where it's Jesus first in everything. That's where revival begins. Um, I confess another shame through it. 
Here's another good one for you. Listen to this. Tears, Holy Spirit, goosebumps, and crowds aren't the evidence of true revival. Revival is evident when God's people get serious about calling, about the calling on their life to know Him and to make Him known. So one of the questions that keeps coming up is, why is this starting off at a place called Asbury? This is like the third or fourth time this has happened at Asbury College. The last one was the 1970s. Why does it keep happening there at the Methodist College? I don't understand. And so two of our revival experts uh, from Southern Baptist Seminaries, Tom Boyer and Tom Elith, have studied this for decades. And it caught my mind as I was reading an article that wrote, why is this not happening at, at Southwestern? Why is it not happening at, at Southern Seminary? Why is it not happening at Southeastern or Golden State? Why is it not happening at Midwestern? Why is it not happening there like it is at these places? And they quoted Roy Fish, who actually taught me uh, evangelism, personal evangelism at Southwestern a long time ago. Said this about Baptists. Baptists fear revival because we fear excess. We are afraid of that, the power of the, the third part of the Godhead, the Holy Spirit. We're afraid to talk about it. We're afraid to experience it. We're afraid we might do strange things or act like them, whatever that means. He said we're afraid of strange fires, so we choose to remain cold rather than to be warmed by the fire of God. I'm just telling you, I want more. And I believe there are people in this room that want more of God. I believe there are people in this room that are hungry for God. But I also know that we're afraid of what he might ask us. To either give up or go for it. And that's where I believe that we are. I want it. I've tasted it. Have you tasted it? I've tasted it at the altar of this church. I remember the first time I tasted it back in about 1987, 86, with a youth group after I came home from camp when we never wanted to go home. We just wanted to sing it. It was crazy. We were around a piano and we would just stop and suddenly someone would just start repenting of sin. Teenagers, they just didn't know it wasn't okay for them to do that. So they just did it. And we just kept worshiping and repenting and, and reading scripture. That sounds so familiar. I think that's worth more than once in a lifetime. I want a daily thing of that. And I'm like, Lord, do it again. So whatever's happening at Asbury and San Diego and whatever's happening in Africa, whatever's happening in Israel, come on. In Israel. Whatever's happened there, I want it to happen again. In 1904, it's been a minute. The Welsh Revival swept across the United States of America. 15% of the U.S. population came to Jesus in two years. <laughs> Did you hear that? Lord, do it again. I mean, we'd be perfectly satisfied with 15%, but why not, why not 20? Why not 25%? And why two years? Why not in a year? God, just wake us all up. See, Campbell Morgan said it like this. He said, we cannot cause the wind of the Spirit to blow, but we can set ourselves to catch the wind when it blows. 
And if it's blowing, Lord, pull me in it. Pull me in it. I'm going to ask our worship team to come out. What do you need from Jesus this morning? What needs to happen in your life this day, this morning? I mean, just realize, what are you hungry for right now? What is, what is your desire? What's missing in your life right now? If, if, if you hear that in your heart, if the Spirit is blowing in your life, pray for that right now. Pray that God will make you wide open for what he desires in your life. Ask him for that now. And for some of us in this room, it's because we haven't trusted him by faith. And Jesus said, repent and believe. And that's exactly what has to happen in every single revival. But for the one coming to Christ first, that's where it has to start. I trust you, Jesus. I cannot do this on my own. But that's also the place that we have to get back to as a follower of Christ. I really do trust you, Lord. I've got to get back to you. Lord, you do whatever you need to in my life. You break me. You, you, you cause suffering in my life, but that's what needs to happen. You mold me into what you desire for my life. Because I see God developing some young men and some young women. I see him working in some folks that are in their 30s and 40s and 50s in this place to, to bring them to that spot that he wants them to be so that he can Would you please stand across the stream, Father? <laughs> Impossible to fake. Yes. But desperately, I seek you. And I know there are men and women, teenagers, young professionals and college students, young married couples, Couples that are seeing there's another hard life after their kids are gone. Grandparents that are discipling kids, their kids, their grandkids. Lord, awaken this church, awaken me, awaken us. In the holy name of Jesus. Speak it to you.